look at Muslim-majority countries. Atheists get murdered in cold blood regularly. Hell, look at Bangladesh, where machete murders of atheists is nearly a weekly thing. The least of our worries are your silly questions, not when we're trying to keep our heads attached to our bodies. But the fact remains, the religious are far more impressed by their questions than we are. We can answer them all with ease. You just don't like the answers that we provide, and if we can't come up with the answers that the religious are looking for, clearly those answers just don't count, right? Because every time a theist comes up with one of these questions atheists can't answer, their comment sections are flooded with answers from atheists, and they never take the video down, and they never admit they were wrong. And that includes this video as well. It isn't that we can't answer, it's that the theists just don't listen. And that's kind of a problem. I don't see a lot of atheists who will say the second part. I don't believe that there are no gods. I simply haven't been convinced that there are. There's a fundamental difference between denying a proposition outright and saying, I don't believe you. Yet the religious can't get that part through their heads, can they? It's no wonder they continually ask questions that are totally nonsensical. They are completely ignorant of the subject matter, and that's not exactly a surprise. But whenever someone asks few questions to the atheist, they become silent. They can't answer the questions. So, if you say that the bird flies in the sky, the bird flies in the sky. So, who is the one who is making the bird fly in the sky? The lobotomization of the young by religion. My boy, you don't ask me a question. You answer it. You just use me as a tool to reinforce your belief. If your religion is using others, it shows clearly that religion is a plague to get rid of as soon as possible. If you were honest, the question would be, is there a God who makes this bird fly? Whereas your question, which is not a question, is, there is a bird that flies, and it is God that makes it fly. And you ask me to confirm your question which is an answer. This is the old debate between atheists and theists, and for atheists who are less mentally articulated. Young atheists who still fall into the theistic trap in which they were put very small. For the mentally articulate atheists, they have understood that this is in fact a statement from theists, and that there is no question behind it. But since there is no question, it plays for the theists who occupy social time and social space. In the end, that is the point for theists, occupy the public sphere. Religion if taken as such as a public matter, is to be socially forbidden. A religion, has no place in public affairs. Religion is a matter of private affairs. The problem is not that I believe in God or not, the problem is that you are not able to answer your own questions. And that you are not a real individual able to walk alone without the help of the group. A society is a collection of individuals, a society is not a group. If you want collectivism, read Marx, join the Communist Party, go live in China. If you think that the group in which you have been indoctrinated is going to support you socially when you are going to do something stupid for them, you are beyond naivety. These people use you like you use people. What you don't understand is that society will bend the group you're in one way or another. The only group that is able to exist in society is society itself. This is the only group in which you must find your place. 
Now you have two choices in your life. Young theist, either you break away from the religion group you were brought into, and you will be able to have an independent life of your own, or you stay in this tiny group, and you will always be used by them. So the real question behind is, do you have the balls to stand on your own two feet alone, and face the others members of society, and thus be a citizen of the city? From Critical Thinking, The Antidote for Faith by Wayne Barthes, Indoctrination, Once you take the hook, be it Amways, the Marines, or Brother Billy Bobs, inevitably the next step involves some form of indoctrination. Amway will put you in a training program with rara lectures, tapes, and written materials. Boot Camp is the military version, a place where the upbeat promises of cheerful recruiters will fade, becoming distant and fantasy-like. The groups we like to call cults often place recruits in an indoctrination situation much like a military boot camp, isolated from family and friends with daily life totally under the control of a new family. Recruits are told when to eat, sleep, wake, pray, and work, what to read, watch, say, and ultimately, what to think. They may be sleep-deprived, isolated, screamed at, prayed for, deprived of food or water, all of which is unexpected, unfamiliar, and emotionally intense. Some cults use outright trickery to lure prospects into high-pressure indoctrination. Imagine you are a young man stepping off a bus in an unfamiliar city. You look around the bus station and an attractive young woman strolling by stops, smiles and says, Hi, you look like you're lost. Need directions? If you are a typical young male, your eager hormones pop to attention and you wonder if this friendly town might be the right place for you. After some chit-chat, during which Honey Sweet Cakes determines that you are from out of town and on your own, she dangles a hook covered with attractive bait. Hey, if you haven't got a place to stay, I'm living with some great people at a beautiful ranch outside town. We can always make room for one more. Like to come along? Gee, a tough decision. Once you get to the ranch, you find yourself inside a remote, fenced and gated compound, and if you're asked to return to the city you discover that unfortunately no vehicles are going back tonight. Maybe tomorrow? You also quickly discover that indoctrination begins tonight. To recap, most groups recruit new members by offering something, perhaps bending the truth a bit, and provide some form of indoctrination training after a recruit signs up. That is true of the Boy Scouts, the Democratic Party, the Catholic Church, the Elvis Fan Club, you name it. In my anarchist days at a very young age, I had learned that any group was to be fled. This advice has never left me. That's why I hate nationalism, which is just a group in society, but which pretends to be the group. It's false. Inspiration. Many groups offer an inspirational message that attempts to provide meaning to life beyond the mundane cycle of eat, work, sleep, die. They offer a sense of purpose, be it through patriotism, belongingness, financial independence, the truth, or perhaps God. An inspirational message can be highly motivating, not only as a reason for joining a group, but also as a reason for remaining in a group and standing up for it in times of need. It's them or us. This duality is proper to religion, which serves to separate men and not to bring them together. Ritualistic behavior. Most groups routinely engage in rituals, from reading the minutes of previous meetings to singing the school song or reciting a group prayer. Cults tend to embrace and celebrate ritual, often lengthy, repetitive and mind-numbing. Recruits may spend hours in individual or group chants, prayers, listening to tapes of Father, sitting silently and contemplating eternity or engaging in intensive repetitious activities such as farming, begging money, or manufacturing products for sale to the public. 
In a cult, your role is always spelled out for you, assigned and required of you to the letter. Ritual may include even the most trivial aspects of life, such as what kind of toothpaste to use, how to trim your toenails or comb your hair. If you spend all your time doing exactly what you are told, precisely in the manner spelled out, you may be left with little time to think for yourself. In fact, you have no need to. Anti-intellectualism, most groups to some degree discourage independent critical thought. You don't challenge the sales methods spelled out by Mary Kay, you don't suggest to an army drill sergeant a better way of stripping and cleaning your weapon, and you don't inform your scoutmaster that you have serious doubts about the benefit of marching around in paramilitary uniforms saluting elderly authority figures. But the anti-intellectualism of cults again jumps ahead of other groups, embracing what physicist and science historian Jacob Bronowski called the 11th commandment, Thou shalt not question. All religions embrace the 11th commandment to some degree and discourage openly questioning accepted doctrine, but cults push it to the limit. A cult compound wall poster summarized one. Group's zealous approach in no uncertain terms. The mind is Satan and thinking is the machinery of the devil. Cult members are typically required to have absolute faith in the leader, the group, and its teachings, and to keep wavered thoughts quiet or face the consequences. Those could involve verbal abuse, expulsion from the group, being given the silent treatment, being physically punished, or locked up. Loyalty While loyalty to family, friends, and country is often held up as a virtue, unbridled and unlimited loyalty may be more appealing in a pet than in a human being. Excessive loyalty is embodied in the slogan, My country, right or wrong, good Americans should stand up for America no matter what, right? Yet we look at Germany during World War E and wonder why its citizens didn't turn against their government. Weren't they demonstrating loyalty by standing behind their country, right or wrong, thus being good Germans? And if they had turned away, wouldn't they have been guilty of treason? Obsessive nationalism, loyalty to one's country no matter what, has long been a sad human weakness. When Hitler came to power in Germany, loyalty was carried to another level. Members are expected to publicly proclaim their belief in their leader, sometimes including the notion that he or she is God, Messiah, or the rebirth of Christ. Members of Jim Jones' People's Temple were required to show absolute loyalty by reporting negative comments uttered by anyone. If someone heard something negative and failed to report it, that failure was a punishable offense, including for children who failed to rat out their parents, shades of the Hitler youth, from faith versus fact, why science and religion are incompatible by Jerry A. Coyne, Joe Barrett, et al. But the main reason people turn a blind eye toward implausible beliefs is that they get their faith not through reason or deliberation, but through indoctrination from their family and friends. Most people acquire their faith when young via indoctrination by parents, teachers, or peers, so that religious truths depend heavily on who spawned you and where you grew up. From So You Think You Can Think, Tools for Having Intelligent Conversations and Getting Along by Christopher W. DeCullo, it is impossible for infants, toddlers, and young children to rationally think about religious doctrine that is taught to them by their parents and practiced and celebrated throughout their communities. It is not until a person reaches a certain age of maturity that they begin to question their religious beliefs. By far, one of the greatest appeals to religious practice is the communal sense of support that can be found when like-minded individuals gather for a common purpose. The group which constitutes the teenage band, unfortunately, this childish adolescent stage should be overcome before reaching adulthood. For most adult Westerners this is not the case. 
they regularly exhibit this immature behavior that they should have abandoned in their late teens. From crosswinds, the way of Saudi Arabia by Fouad Ajami, but some doors are made to be broken, not opened, the narrator says in The Twentieth Terrorist. The young boy was now willing to defy his parents. There was the companionship of soccer camps, and there was steady religious indoctrination. He came to despise his family members, he wanted them to rid themselves of their television set, to remove the photographs in the household, to banish music, much beloved in Asir. He told his father that he was robbing the family of its share in paradise. He took on the habits of the Jama, the group. He donned a shin-length tube, he grew a long beard, he mimicked the affectations of the group. We learned that ours is a world of unbelievers, he said. We were the band of the saved, all the others were condemned. He wondered how his group and its leaders financed its activities. He learned that they did it through theft, and that theft from the state in the interest of jihad was pleasing to Allah. Behind this adolescent rebellion, which is now taken up even earlier by the sects, is the challenge of the father, of the adult as a figure. It should be noted that monotheism has been striving since its beginning to remove the rites of passage to adulthood. These groups, cults, have taken this hole created by monotheism. There is no passage to adulthood without initiation of one kind or another. The being that we are needs that. We are a being of intellect and initiation is necessary because we are intellectual beings. Initiation which is forbidden in the bourgeois democracy that is the form that succeeded the ancient period. From online terrorist propaganda, recruitment, and radicalization by John R. Wakka, the first anti-monarchy and separatism phase was characterized by small, local cells within an overall hierarchical structure. Recruitment was top-down, largely face-to-face, -face, and radicalization occurred within the cell as an internal result of socialization, training, and indoctrination. The impetus to join an act came from a combination of the nature of the terrorism of the day, propaganda of the deed, the act and its violence conveying the group's message, and the nature of the grievance against the monarch. It is the same principle of rebellion against the father, against the authority. That's why I often say that all revolution is bourgeois, middle class. It's a rebellion against order, that is to say against society. If you read the history of revolutions, you will always see this idea of revolt against order. ISIS has proven to be innovative and tech-savvy in terms of fully exploiting the various platforms and tools to spread their message including the live streaming of attacks, recruiting of new members, indoctrination, and inciting individuals and terrorist cells to violence. It is for this reason of violence that all these groups must be stopped, at the expense of those young people indoctrinated in them. I mean even if it means killing them, if they pose a violent threat to society. If these young people are not capable of integrating into society, then no mercy should come to them.